0: In the Gospel of John, John recounts the moment in which our mother, Mary, became our mother, Mary, and not just Jesus' mother. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Woman, behold your son. Then to John, behold your mother. And the church has always considered that John represents the entire church in that moment, He represents you and I. That when we look at Our Lady, like St. John, our Lord wants us to behold our mother. And when she looks at us, she beholds her child, right, her son. She sees him in us and therefore we are truly her sons and daughters. I have a sister who, an older sister, who thinks that her birthday isn't enough. And so she celebrates her birthday month. The whole month of October she treats herself in different ways and expects people to treat her well. <laughs> and it's, it's a little bit like this in the church, right? That we don't just have Mother's Day. We have the entire month of May, right, to celebrate Our Lady, to connect with Our Lady, to honor Our Lady. And so we want to do this because it's an important part of our, of our life, and she's such a powerful advocate. How much we depended on our mothers when we were little children and perhaps even as adults if that relationship is healthy we still depend on our mothers for some advice for some encouragement for our prayers for some support favors and how much more our our mother in heaven who's so powerful before god who has such pull with god saint aphonsus ligori describes this pull that mary has in heaven Although Mary now in heaven could no longer command her son, nevertheless her prayers are always the prayers of a mother and consequently most powerful to obtain whatever she asks. Mary says St. Bonaventure, a doctor of the church, Mary has this great privilege that with her son she above all the saints is most powerful to obtain whatever she wills. And why? Because they are the prayers of a mother. And therefore, says St. Peter Damien, the Blessed Virgin can do whatever she pleases both in heaven and on earth. And she's got carte blanche with her son and therefore with God. And she can do whatever she wants. She's entirely free to do anything and to ask him for anything. And he listens to her always. And we know that's, that's something very mysterious and deep, right? That you know, what does she want? Well, she wants what he wants, right? Um, her great desire is, fiat mi secundum verbum tuum, be done unto me according to your word. And so when she asks, she asks with his heart, with his mind, with his will. And that's another reason, a deep reason why she gets whatever she wants. And this is something that we also learn. Do, do, I, do I ask just for what I want? Or do I also ask that God's will be done? in me, through me. But we wanna take advantage of this power that Our Lady has and the fact that she is truly our mother. And so in May, it's good, you know, think about, I don't know, one or two things that bother you or some insoluble problem that you have, right? There's always something, I don't know about you, but for me, there's always something, right? That I really like need and uh, it's difficult. I don't know how I'm gonna get it, work on it. And And it's a great practice, right? Go to Our Lady with that. Put in her hands. And it works, eventually it works. Tomorrow we celebrate the um, Memorial of Blessed Alvaro del Portillo. And when he was the prelate of Opus Dei, at least twice, maybe three times, he convoked Mary in years, years in which the prelature and the cooperators and friends of Opus Dei went with a special intensity, right, to Mary. This is a Marian year, and this is a Marian month. And Blessed Alva would say, we want to put her in everything and for everything. And that might be helpful in this month of May to say, well, can I keep Our Lady with me? Can I put her in everything? Can I remember she's always with me? And for everything, right, especially the things that are more pressing and more urgent. And then on Friday, we celebrate the um, Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And to deal with Our Lady, I think from time to time, it's good for us to take those apparitions, whether the Lord's Fatima or Guadalupe, to take them to our prayer. Because they're manifestations of what Our Lady is like, right? They're different, but there's a certain reality to all of them. And they teach us what Our Lady is like, and therefore they can teach us, help us to deal with her. This is from an account, it's mostly in Lucia's own words, an account of Our Lady's first apparition to those children, May thirteenth, 1917. Leading their flock out from Al-Hustrel on the morning of the 13th of May, the feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, the three children passed Fatima. Here they allowed their sheep to graze as they played in the pasture land sprinkled with the occasional oak tree. After having had their lunch about noon, they decided to pray a rosary, although in a somewhat truncated fashion, saying only the first words of each prayer. That's well, a time saver. Our Father, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. You know, get your crank out the decades. Saying only the first words of each prayer. Shortly, they were startled by what they later described as lightning in a clear sky. Thinking that a storm might be approaching, they debated whether they should take the sheep and go home. Preparing to do so, they were again surprised by a strange light. And now this is Lucia's own account. We began to go down the slope, driving the sheep towards the road. When we were halfway down, near a home oak there, the large tree which today is encircled with an iron fence, we saw another flash of lightning. And after a few steps, we saw on a home oak, a small one lower on the hillside, a lady dressed in white, shining brighter than the sun, giving out rays of clear and intense light, just like a crystal goblet full of pure water. When the fiery sun passes through it, we stopped, astounded by the apparition. We were so near that we were in the light that encircled her, or which she radiated, perhaps a meter and a half away. Right? They're like four or five feet from um, the apparition. And they're so close that they're in the light right, that Our Lady is giving off, or that, that is surrounding Our Lady. Please don't be afraid of me. I'm not going to harm you. Beautiful words of our mother. Words that echo Jesus' own words in Easter when he first shows up, passing through the doors that are closed for fear of the Jews. Jesus comes and says, Peace be with you. Written implicitly, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. I'm not going to harm you, Our Lady says to the children. And Jesus says to the disciples in the boat, when they think he's a ghost, and the Gospel says they cried out for fear, thinking that it was a ghost passing by in the middle of this terrifying storm. They cry out for fear, and Jesus says, Don't be afraid, it is I. And Our Lady says, Please don't be afraid, I'm not going to harm you. Perfect love, St. John writes in one of his letters, perfect love casts out fear. And we live in a fearful time. And so perhaps in this month we can go to Our Lady and ask her for courage, ask her for confidence, ask her for calm, peace in the midst of our fears, of our anxieties, of our worries. Please don't be afraid of me, I'm not going to harm you. Lucia responded for all three as she would throughout throughout the apparitions. Where are you from? I come from heaven. The lady wore a pure white mantle edged with gold which fell to her feet. In her hands, the beads of a rosary shone like stars with its crucifix, the most radiant gem of all. Still, Lucia felt no fear. The lady's presence produced in her only gladness and confident joy. The lady's presence produced in her only gladness and confident joy. And this is the opportunity of May, the month of our mother, Mother's Month, Mary's Month, right, to get close to her and to participate in her peace, right? to participate in her joy, to feel her care. And then like Lucia, we can ask, well, what should we do now, right? And Lucia says, what do you want of me? What can I do? And the answer is prayer. She wants you to show up and pray. I want you to return here on the 13th of each month for the next six six months and at the very same hour. Later I shall tell you who I am and what it is I most desire and I shall return here yet a seventh time. And now as children are prone to do as I have a lot of experience in my line of work they start asking tough questions and shall I go to heaven right getting right to the point right? am I going to go to am I going to go to heaven yes you will and Jacinta she will go too and Francisco Francisco too my dear but he will first have many rosaries to say poor Francisco started praying the rosary crazy ha <laughs> <laughs> For a few moments, the lady looked at Francisco with compassion, tinged with a little sadness. Incredible, right? That Our Lady is in heaven. And she's happy forever with God in heaven. And yet, looking at Francisco, this little saint, this boy who has been canonized by the church, right? who's going to heaven... She looks at him with compassion, tinged with a little sadness. Why compassion and why sadness? Well, because she knows what he's suffering and what he's going to have to suffer in his life. And so it bothers her, right? Because she's his mother. Even though she's in heaven, she looks at him with compassion, tinged with a little sadness. And that's important for us, right? That... We'll have sadness in this life. We'll have sorrow in this life. And when we pray to Our Lady in the Salve Regina, right, the Hail Holy Queen, we talk about mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn your compassionate eyes towards us. Help us. And that's important um, because, uh, you know, sometimes we think, well, if I'm not like if I'm not like out of my mind with the emotion of joy all the time, well, if something's wrong, in a way, yeah, we sh- we need to be joyful, we need to return to joy. Joy has to be kind of like a baseline because there's a great good in our life, which is God. But there are things that cause sadness. And that's okay. Saint Thomas Aquinas actually says that moderate sorrow in someone moderate sadness is a sign of intelligence it's kind of interesting right that if you're never sad it might be just because you you're not that smart you know <laughs> 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 that, when I that reminded me of my father when I when I heard that Thomas said that because my father he was he was given to melancholy you know and um and so I would talk to him on the phone and Try to cheer him up, right? Come on, cheer up, Dad. You know, there's a lot of good going on and a lot of good in the world and you know, God, etc. <laughs> Don't be so gloomy. And he would he said to me once, he said, John, if you know, if you knew what I know about the world, you'd be depressed too. <laughs> Your ignorance is protecting you from this gloom. <laughs> And so we know that we know that we need to be joyful, right? Um, but at the same time, love brings with it sorrow. Right? When we care, um, we look with compassion, right, on others and even on ourselves at times, and that's okay. Right? It's part of it's part of life. Lucia then remembers some friends who had died. Is Maria Neves in heaven? Yes, she is. And Amelia, she is in purgatory. Will you offer yourselves to God and bear all the sufferings he sends you an atonement for all the sins that offend him and for the conversion of sinners? What a question from Our Lady to these little children. Will you offer yourselves to God and bear all the sufferings he sends you in atonement for all the sins that offend him and for the conversion of sinners? And Lucia, answering for all three, says, Oh, we will, we will. then you will have a great deal to suffer, but the grace of God will be with you and will strengthen you. Will you offer yourselves to God? And isn't that, Lord, isn't that the Christian vocation? Isn't that the point of my life? I've received myself from you, Lord, and my capacity to love, and my, all of my talents, however skimpy they may be. Time I have here on earth, my opportunities, the people you've put in my life, they're all invitations to give ourselves back to God, to participate in some way in what God is, right? Love, charity, the love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To use our freedom to overcome ourselves, give ourselves. Will you offer yourselves to God? And bear all the sufferings he sends you? Oh, we will, we will. Then you will have a great deal to suffer, but the grace of God will be with you and will strengthen you. Lucia relates that as the lady pronounced these words, she opened her hands and we were bathed. She opened her hands and we were bathed in a heavenly light that appeared to come directly from her hands. The light's reality cut into our hearts and, and our souls and we knew somehow that this light was God, and we could see ourselves embraced in it. By an interior impulse of grace, we fell to our knees, repeating in our hearts, O Holy Trinity, we adore you, my God, my God, I love you in the blessed sacrament. The children remained kneeling in the flood of this wondrous light until the lady spoke again. And Lord, in this life, most of us, <laughs> we walk by faith. Right, we walk by faith and not by sight. And our Lord says, "Blessed are you, blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe." And what do we believe? Well, we believe that that the, our Lord is the light of life. And that same light that that they experienced that pours forth from our Lady's hands, and they understood was God and the love of God, and cut through their hearts and caused them to make these acts of love for God, repeating in their hearts, we adore you, my God, my God, I love you, in the Blessed Sacrament. That that same reality is right here, just a few feet from each one of us, from our Lord's Sacred Heart, as we see in all those images, the Divine Mercy revealed to Sister Faustina, or the Sacred Heart, St. Margaret Mary, there are those rays of love, light, warmth, streaming from the heart of our Lord. And the same God is present in the Blessed Sacrament. And the same heart is beating, and the same rays are bathing us right now. We can't see it, but we believe it. We walk by faith, not by sight. Oh Holy Trinity, we adore you, my God, my God. I love you in the Blessed Sacrament. And help us, Lord, to give ourselves back to you. And sometimes, you know, that's going to be, Our Lady says, you know, offer yourselves to God and bear all the sufferings that He sends you. And many times, it's the only way that we can increase in our love of God is just to say yes, to accept some suffering that, um, that we're resisting, right? That we're, not accepting that we're rebelling against. Some problem that we're not using to abandon ourselves to God. The children remained kneeling in the flood of this wondrous light until the lady spoke again, mentioning the war in Europe, of which they had little or no knowledge, saying the rosary every day to bring peace to the world and an end to the war. After that, she began to rise slowly in the direction of the east until she disappeared in the immense distance. The light that encircled her seemed to make a way amidst the stars. And that is why we sometimes said that we had seen the heavens open. Lord, we ask you, help us in our own way, each one of us to encounter Our Lady this this May. And to make our own, right? These invitations of Our Lady. Give yourself to God. Suffer all that He sends you for the conversion of sinners. I pray the rosary for peace. And I think, you know, when we think about the message of Fatima, one of the things that kind of jumps off the page, right, that people emphasize a lot, and for good reason, <laughs> For good reason, um, is is the reality of sin, right, and 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 um, the need to take sin seriously? That God is kind of, you know, offended, right, by our world, and we need to beg Him for mercy. This is Lucy again talking about the last apparition. The part of the last apparition which has remained most deeply imprinted on my heart is the prayer of our Heavenly Mother begging us not to offend any more almighty God who is already so much offended. Begging us and begging who? are well, these three little kids, right, who are all saints. <laughs> and she's like, Don't, you know, stop offending God. He's offended too much. St. John Paul II repeated so many times that the greatest... Sin of our time is the loss of the sense of sin. And that was, he's quoting uh, Pius XII, if I'm not mistaken. It's either Pius tenth or Pius XII. I think it's Pius twelfth. The greatest sin of our time is the loss of the sense of sin. Right? That there's real good and that evil is a real evil. Right? That sin is really bad. And I think we see it, you know, it's like, uh, you know, G.K. Chesterton said it. Um, the only, he said, the only doctrine that can be proved um, empirically right, empirically ver- verifiable uh, is original sin. Right? You just kind of look around and say, "Oh yeah, we're messed up." You know. Um, <laughs> but you see it now, yeah, perhaps in in a way that uh, is is super evident. Right? Just the devastation of the confusion of the youth. And the nastiness of the, you know, pro-abortion protests to this leak and, and, you know, they attack the church and they're stealing tabernacles and they're vandalizing churches and they're demonstrating with very vulgar and nasty ways. And, you know, we don't judge the people. I mean, these people are just lost, but there's a hardness there and, and a viciousness there. And you see that, you know, when you see those extreme forms, you see the reality of evil, but then we have to step back and say, hey, you know, I'm part of that, right? That um, we're all in this together. Right? My sins contribute to the, to the situation of the world. St. Rosemary used to talk about the, the, the frog, right? If you want to boil a frog, I don't know why you, why you want to do that, but anyway. <laughs> if you want to boil a frog, right? You don't take the frog and throw him in a pot of water that's already boiling because the frog is like, ah, get him, I'm out of here, right? It's too hot. You put, him in a, you put him in a pot and then you turn up the heat slowly, and eventually the frog starts boiling. And he, he didn't realize what was happening to him, right? And this is what happens with us, I think personally, but also uh, in society, right? Well, no big deal, this, that, let that go, let this go. And before you know it, we're boiling. And in our prayer life, this is an important, hugely important part of our prayer life, and it's it's perhaps the hardest part, right, that um, we tend to think of prayer and acts of prayer kind of like other activities. It's like, oh, I like to ski, so I ski, and I get better at it, and I like it, and so whenever I want to ski, and I can, I ski, and I enjoy it, or I like potato chips, and so sometimes when I'm hungry, I eat potato chips, and I always enjoy them, right? And we think, well, yeah, I guess I should pray, too, because that's a good activity, like skiing or eating potato chips. (laughs) And then when we first start, right, we get better at it, and we kind of like it. Um, And then all of a sudden it's, like, hard. And we know we're supposed to do it, so we kind of keep doing it, but it's like, well, what am I doing this for? You know, what's the... But it's not like skiing or like eating potato chips, right? It's something that has to transform our life. And so St. Teresa of Avila says something very helpful. She says that, you know, beginners make progress because God gives them grace and makes prayer sweet for them um, so that they, they, they learn at first how to love God and love prayer and they make progress. But then a lot of people just stall out in their prayer life and stall out in their interior life. And she says the main reason is, is um, a lack of fighting against deliberate venial sin. Why? Because prayer is not just any activity. When we, when we pray, when we say, Lord, I want to sit, when I put myself in front of God in prayer, I'm saying, He's God, and I'm His disciple. He's my creator, and I'm His creature. He's my master, and I'm His servant, and I love you above all things. I adore you, and, and I want to do whatever you want. That's what praying is, right? It's to, it's to put ourselves in the relationship with God. And if you're trying to do that, but at the same time, you know, after a while, you don't say, you look at your life and say, oh yeah, uh, I habitually offend God, and I know it might not be mortal sins, but that, that, that slows things down too, of course. <laughs> but if there's some habit of like deliberate venial sin, at the same time that you're trying to sit in your prayer and say, you're my God, and I'm your creature, and I love you, and I want to do whatever you want, you're also saying, nah, not really, Right? And so there's this huge fly in the ointment. There's this huge wrench in the in in the in the gears. Um, and so it's a great practice. You have to do it with humility and with a, you know a great um, dependence on God. But it's a great practice to to look our Lord in the eye and figure out what's a habit of venial sin that I can really root out, attack, say no more, None no, not no more of that stuff. And maybe we look at our life, oh, where do I start? We'll start, you know, start with one of them. I don't know. It could be laziness. It could be excessive entertainment. It could be complaining. It could be just, I don't know, um, lack of consistency in our prayer life. I don't know. Whatever your thing is, we all have it. Why? Because otherwise we're just kind of on the sidelines, right? we got the right ideas and the right doctrine. They're like, oh, what's going to happen? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, we're all gonna to go to no. I'm just kidding. Um, these world crises are crises of saints, right? The world needs God, and God comes into the world through souls who pray and who who try to be holy, right? Who fight against who fight against their sinfulness, begging us not to offend any more Almighty God, who was already so much offended. And then she had this other vision, which is helpful. Um, Our Lady was holding the child Jesus. And Jesus said, Have pity on the heart of your most holy mother. It is covered with the thorns with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment. And there is no one to remove them with an act of reparation. Reparation removes the thorns in our mother's heart. Then Mary said, My daughter, look at my heart surrounded with thorns with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment. By their blasphemies and ingratitude, you at least try to console me. And so we go to her. We fly to your patronage in this month of you, our mother Mary. And we ask you, help us to pray better, uh, to bring you our problems, our troubles, our weakness, right? Our weakness. Help us to experience the um, comfort of having you as our mother. And then strengthen us, strengthen us in our commitment to christian life and strengthen us in our battle against against sin especially any deliberate habit of venial sin. I thank you my god for the good resolutions affections and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation i ask your help to put them into effect my immaculate mother st joseph my father and lord my guardian angel intercede for me.